0: I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that, can you dig it, can you dig it, What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Can You Dig It? A podcast by Silver Screen and Roll and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at silverscreenandroll.com or on social at Lakers SBN. I'm Christian Rivas. With me, as always, is the wonderful Grant Goldberg. We have a lot to talk about, Grant, but first, I would like to give you your props because uh, during last week's prediction, we both predicted that the Lakers would go 2-1-1. But you predicted that the Lakers would lose to the Magic. And I kind of gave you heat for it because I didn't see it happening. But the Lakers got killed by the Magic. So I, I have to, you, you earned your props. I have to give that to you. Congratulations. And uh, yeah. There's no video
1: feed on this <laughs> podcast, but I just want you to know that I'm doing like a little bit of bowing, <laughs> nodding my head, uh, accepting the congratulations. Thank you, Christian, for. You know, recognizing me for this tremendous achievement. Uh, if only I could do this and win money off of it. <laughs> no, but, you know, just uh, before we get into, you know, everything that's, you know, current with the Lakers, uh, that Orlando game, the, the Lakers do not play well in Orlando. I think the last time they won in Orlando, Dwight Howard was on the team. And, you know, they just struggle. It's a cross-country flight and uh they don't have much time to get assimilated and i'm a big believer in those you know cross country road trips being a real real detriment to a team uh i've been a big seahawks fan for you know most of my life mm-hmm. and they have not they like they have a habit of not traveling well and uh playing earlier than they u- usually play and so you know me having that kind of experience i don't know i just put it towards the lakers and applied it to them uh, Yeah, but I, I I kind of felt a loss coming. I don't know. The Blakers were playing too well. They needed something to kind of humble them. But I knew they'd get back on track against the Heat because they play well in Miami. They play well against the Heat. So I, I, I figured, you know, maybe a win was coming there. And uh, it got a little bit sweaty against the Cavaliers. But they were able to uh, hang around for most of the game and then make a run and, and pull off the win.
0: And I think uh, Pete, our friend Pete Zayas, better known as Laker Film Room, kind of alluded to the fact uh, that the Lakers were in Miami for quite a few days. And I I think up until yesterday they were in Miami. And that might have attributed to how sluggish they looked uh, to start the game on Wednesday. And I made the joke that LeBron James was not affected at all because he's a faithful king. Just stays in his bed, reads his Bible while everybody else is out is out partying. So, shout out to LeBron James. Had another dominant night tonight. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, and it was obviously his first game back in Cleveland. Um, I thought he played really well. And considering the fact that they showed that, you know, tear-jerking uh, tribute video in the first quarter for him to be able to you know but pull his stuff together and and do his job. I thought that was remarkable. Uh, nobody's ever made me a tribute video, but I, I feel like I'd feel really bad just dunking on them after uh, a kind gesture like that.
1: Yeah, it takes a really uh, a real killer to uh, <laughs> to go ahead and and rip Cleveland's heart out, not for a second time, but for a third time. Yeah. Uh Literally and and figuratively dunking all over their face, um, yeah. Uh, one quick note: I, I bet the Lakers weren't complaining about staying in Miami up until today, <laughs> but uh, they they looked like they spent three days oh, in Miami. Definitely. Uh, team, I mean, they lost the turnover battle. What was it, fourteen to one? Yeah,
0: it was uh, thirteen. Thirteen or fifteen to three, I think, was the was the final count. But yeah, it was it was horrible. And this is against horrible. the Cleveland Cavaliers who have won two games on the season. I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, uh that's mean, Miami Nightlife for you.
1: Yeah, Miami Nightlife, you know, carrying over into you no know, you know, picking up the slack from Ohio Nightlife that's yeah. non existent. <laughs> uh it, it was it, it pulled a double or or even triple shift uh going into this Cleveland game and uh the, the lakers just looked a step slow they like i said they were able to hang around and you know that you know basically allowed them to you know make that run i don't think they have to make that run if jordan clarkson doesn't forget he's jordan clarkson and, and hit some shots <laughs> yeah the
0: jordan clarkson revenge game was a very real yeah, thing it was, for it was a
1: potent attack <laughs>
0: um i i i think if there is a Cleveland nightlife, Jordan Clarkson and J.R. Smith have probably sniffed it out by now. If you're looking for a good time in Cleveland, those are the two guys you go to. Um, but seriously, Clarkson looked like really good, uh, you know, that tonight. Like and cause rookie we're, year, Clarkson. Yeah, because we're recording this. On Wednesday, uh, it should go up, or it, it is going to go up on Friday. Uh, so when we say tonight, we mean Wednesday. Um, but yeah, Jordan Clarkson ended with a box plus minus. Uh, obviously not for the first time in his, his career, but it feels like the first time in his career. He, was, he looked pretty good. Um, I know he was... Uh, he he had mixed uh, Lakers fans had mixed feelings about him during his time in Los Angeles because there were nights he looked like a six man of the year candidate and then there were nights that he looked like a future CBA MVP and um that t- tonight was one of those nights he looked like a six man of the year candidate but on a two win team I don't think he's gonna get a ton of votes
1: or if you're Chris Palmer uh, a top three player oh, two way two way monster I think was his words. <laughs> Anyways, uh don't if you're a player, don't don't uh let Chris Palmer describe you cuz you know it's just the the career killer. Um but yeah, I think I think you know it was kind of a throwback game from Clarkson and I, and I know this is a Lakers Center podcast and, mm-hmm. and but we can what that I mean like that's what a, a Jordan Clarkson throwback game you know focuses on it It focuses on his time with the lakers because that's literally the only time that he was good
0: yeah um, and it was his rookie season too i mean and r- yeah and the first like 10 15 games of every season everybody's like did jordan clarkson turn a corner and it turns out that no he didn't he's no, it, he, it's just the way he, he, he got, starts seasoned.
1: he got hit on a screen and and died <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I I would liked getting to, watch Jordan Clarkson play, uh, getting to watch Jordan Clarkson play well for a change. Uh just because uh he really shouldered the load making that, you know, Byron Scott coached team fun mm-hmm. in his rookie year. But enough about Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, I'm I think sure we spent more Clarkson time about talking Clarkson about, <laughs>
0: about <laughs> Jordan Clarkson than an actual Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Um Speaking of Chris Palmer, Chris Palmer's a really big Lonzo Ball fan. Like a very yeah. big Lonzo Ball fan. And ton-
1: enough so that I'm worried.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, t- and tonight, he, uh, he might have felt real good about himself because Lonzo looked as good as he's looked all season. He had 15 points on 7-11 shooting from the field. Only one made three-pointer. Uh, but I think we've seen enough from Lonzo to think that you know, maybe his shooting will come around, but his scoring from inside is a bigger question mark. And he yes. showed like um, he showed signs of life on that end tonight, or in that regard he he was scoring in the paint. He threw down a hammer dunk in the paint, just completely blew by his defender. I was really impressed with him. Uh, also added seven rebounds, six assists, and a steal. Uh, what did you, what did you see differently from Lonzo tonight that allowed him to have uh, arguably his his best game of the season?
1: I just want to throw out the fact first that, you know, seven rebounds and six assists. I kind of feel like that's a given for Lonzo at this yeah. point. Like, it, we're, we're kind of like, oh, six rebounds or, or six assists, seven rebounds. Yeah, that's kind of par for the course with him. And, like, that's just such a good thing for a young player at his, his age and mm-hmm. the impact that he makes. But uh, in terms of different things that we saw, not the same things like his rebounds and assist numbers, but um, I think we saw a different kind of aggressiveness, uh he was really getting after it. He obviously uh you know, offers more on a nightly basis. Uh more consistency more uh, uh ferocity or uh he's more engaged on the defensive side of the floor. And so I think we saw a combination of both of that tonight. We he looked like the player the confident player we saw at UCLA. Uh I you were did. a player Yeah, I got UCLA
0: Go vibes watching watching him as well. He looked he looked um uh, kind of similar to that Oregon game during March Madness that uh, yeah. you know everybody goes back to. He looked good, man. I was I was really happy with what I saw from him.
1: Yeah, the thing was to me is that Zo at UCLA he he looked like a. a I'm going to use the word confident again, but he looked like a confident player, but a player that kind of knows no one player is going to impact the game more than he is. Mm-hmm. And so when he when he knows that and he plays like that, you know he makes the impact and then a little more obviously when you're in the nba lebron james is gonna you know probably nine times out of ten be the most impactful player on the floor but uh you know even seeing a little bit of that out of lonzo tonight just the assertiveness uh him getting after it forcing the issue and and uh playing the game that you know at his pace and, and controlling the game uh i think that's the best version of lonzo i think we can all agree uh me and you people listening um, and, and I'm sure, you know, even nationally, um, we'll, we'll say that when Lonzo's on point focused and, uh, really, really just engaged, I think the word engaged comes a lot uh, up a lot about Lonzo, mm-hmm. but when he's engaged and, and he's controlling the game, I mean, he's arguably one of the best players in the draft class that of yeah. that year, but you know, it, it's definitely tough to, uh. To compare him to like the the Ben Simmons, well, not Ben Simmons, but he was a rookie. Yeah, Jason
0: rookie. Tatum, Donovan Jason Mitchell, Jason
1: Tatum, Mitchell. Uh, you know, whoever Even you want to compare. Darren him Fox, to, it's, to it's an extent. Because, yeah, no, Darren Fox has been probably the most consistent player out of that draft class this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not gonna say probably he has been, um, but Lonzo, it, it's it's kind of hot and cold. He usually makes an impact, you know, passing the ball, rebounding, like we just said. But when you have that scoring inside and he's, you know, finishing strong, we saw that a little bit in the preseason against the Warriors where he kind of bodied Clay Thompson in the, in the paint. Uh, but we haven't really seen that consistently. So maybe this can be a stepping stone. It can be a launching point for him inside the paint and, uh, and just spark his confidence. And, and we'll see that player. That's really, really impactful. I think that's the best way to describe Lonzo when he's at his best. Uh, so hopefully we see that more.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the, the weird thing with Lonzo is the fact that he is such a smart player and he loves winning, uh, but he's almost selfless to a fault. Because uh, yeah. even tonight on a night where he was really aggressive, uh, he wanted to make the smart pass or um, maybe not the smart pass. He wanted to make the extra pass. He just wants mm. to get other guys going. Um, and I think he'll find and I think Steve Nash said to uh, said this to him before his rookie season started that you'll find that the game opens up a lot more for you if you're aggressive on the offensive end. If you find a balance between getting your own uh, and making plays for your teammates, then uh, that that's when your game Takes, uh you know goes to the next level because if teams are playing him to pass like there was a play where he was wide open for the three uh and Rodney Hood anticipated the pass to the outside, even though he was wide open for the three. Uh defenses are gonna play him that way if they know he's not gonna shoot it. So uh I think if uh today was a good uh, step in the right direction where he he can find that balance between scoring and playmaking for others. And if he's doing that, it opened things it opened things up for everybody i mean this is the first time uh that i know of this season that all five starters uh were positives uh in the in the box plus minus category so again a really impressive game for lonzo ball and um hopefully it's a sign of things to come
1: yeah yeah i think uh when when you and i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this about lonzo um when you're passing up open layups and, and open dunks, like in the fourth quarter when, you know, the team needs a bucket, like Jordan Clarkson is hitting threes on the other end and you need a bucket to, you know, uh, to lessen the gap, you know, I think that's the moment in your head where it's like, you got to take that, you know, you got to take that responsibility for yourself. And especially when you have something right in front of you, uh, I know that, you know, you have a gift when it comes to passing, but. I don't know when mm-hmm. when I, I think it you know when we talk about Lonzo, we talk about a player that's really smart and and you know makes the best plays and makes the smart plays and and makes really great reads and I don't think that he should limit it just to the great reads for passing but you know when you have the read of all right do I go up for this layup do I go up for this dunk or you know do I you know make a a really tough pass to the corner for a three you know that's you know that's the wrong read and and Ron's, and and Lonzo was great tonight but uh you know when the da- when the game comes down to the fourth quarter and you need you know those points you know you got to make the right read and i think that you know it's unfair of me right now to uh to harp on you know that one play cuz Lonzo played so great yeah. on Wednesday against the Cavs but uh i think you know once he starts like you said to be more aggressive and have the game open up and and have defenders respect a little bit more for your entire game rather than just passing, then you know we're going to see uh, Lonzo Ball really come into his own and, and be an all-star type player.
0: So we're doing something a little different on Can You Dig It today. Uh, we're going to do a mailbag, and this is our first time doing a mailbag, and I'm pretty excited because we like to hear uh, what uh, what you guys would like to hear from us. So uh, getting those questions from you, getting to know what you guys want to hear uh, is pretty cool. So let's dive right into it. Our first question is from at Afab underscore brain, and he asks, if you had to make a trade, what would you do? Grant, I'll let you go first.
1: All right. Well, now I'm assuming this is you know going into December when we can you know, trade some of the players that are on our roster that we signed this year. Um I think immediately mm-hmm. you have to get Lance Stevenson off the roster. And I know uh a lot of people are fans of Lance Stevenson. Uh a lot of people aren't for good reason and it's a, mm-hmm. he's a momentum killer on offense. He's a turnstile on defense and he doesn't really add much value. I don't know what kind of p- player he is in the locker room and I probably and it's safe to think that you know a lot of players like him in the locker room. But, uh, in terms of on court production, I mean that's paramount uh, when you're talking about uh, an NBA team. So um, do what you gotta do uh, I don't know, it's trade him for an expiring, trade him for you know uh, a young guard that maybe doesn't have a lot of playing time and uh, it's mm-hmm. it made uh, maybe a g league prospect. Uh, I don't anything to uh, kind of clear up that log jam at guard on the bench free up more minutes for Sphi and uh, really improve the rotation just off the strength of that, you know, kind of the uh, addition by subtraction model.
0: And I think that because I agree, I think uh, Luke made a point the other day uh, to say that he's going to try to start being harder on himself uh, to really play guys that play the right way And um, I don't know if you meant it this way, but I took it as kind of uh, a subtle shot at Lance Stevenson and the way he plays because uh, Lance Stevenson's style of play is really isolation heavy. Uh, He doesn't always make the smart pass. If he, you know, ever does pass Uh, his, his fit with the team, even in free agency, everybody saw coming. It it was just, it was going to be so weird and save for maybe like the first five games of the season. um, He's been pretty bad. And I think, maybe on a contending team that's looking for scoring off the bench or uh you know is looking for for a cheap spark plug um i think lance stevenson can be that because i as much as i i don't like the fact that the the lakers paid him uh what is it 4.4 4, almost 4.5 million um you know this year that's a tradable contract and yeah. you can get a you can get a decent player back especially if you you know, pair it with the uh, 3.5 million dollars Michael Beasley's making, and he's another guy I think is going to be on the trade block once uh, the trade deadline rolls around. So uh, yeah, I, I think, agree. Uh, I think. Well, go ahead. Uh, I, I was I was just going to say I think I think Lance, if you're if you're making a list of players, uh, maybe not with the most trade value, but the most expendable, I think uh, Lance would be near the top of the list.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd I'd go as far to rank it Lance, uh, Bees, and I, I'll leave it at those two because I think mm. at this point in the season, given their roles and the way they're talked about, uh, Javell and and Rondo are are pretty much safe this year, I think. And um, you know who needs uh, some scoring right now? The Golden State Warriors. So <laughs> um, yeah, you know I think, be... I think I said a, a player, you know, a, a guard, and you know. This guy is kind of injury prone and you don't really know about, no, uh, the future of the entire team. So who knows Steph for, for Lance straight up? Like,
0: yeah, I don't Steph know. I'm ha- on board uh, Lance-
1: for this risk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lance has played every game this season and Steph's bit missed what for the last five games. If I was if I was Joe Lake and Bob Myers, I'd look at Lance as uh, the final the final piece of the puzzle, the final piece of the championship puzzle. Because if you're looking for synergy in a locker room that's had their fair share of drama, uh, why not add Lance Stevenson to that mix? Who is known uh, is is a known good locker room guy, doesn't cause any distractions on or off the court. So, um, and the off chance Joe Lake up or Bob Myers are listening to this. I mean, hear us out. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, our the our second question is kind of related, um, and it comes from Jason Thompson. Not that Jason Thompson, not the one that played in the NBA. Um, this is at J Sway fifty two. He asked if the Lakers could trade for an impact expiring contract player as to not mess up next year's cap space. What player would you target? For me. Um, I know the Lakers are happy with their center rotation, and I think they have a right to be. I think um, they played really well this season. They've done a good job protecting the paint, at least since Tyson Chandler came aboard. Um, but when I look at the the group of expiring contracts and somebody that might be attainable uh, for the Lakers, I look at Dwayne Dedman from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I think he's somebody, you know, it might, might not be a reliable three-point shooter, but he can space the floor um, and knock him down every now and then. And he's on a rebuilding Atlanta Hawks team that he's not seeing big minutes for. So when the time comes around, I think uh, Deadman would be a really good option. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is somebody I wanted to target early in the season, but the Orlando magic are, are going to try to make a playoff run. And he's been a really big part of that. I mean, He's putting up all-star numbers right now. Granted, in the Eastern Conference, and I don't know if he'll make the all-star game, uh, but the numbers he's putting up are are worth at least consideration. So, um, again, I don't know if the Lakers are, are going to be making a move at the center position, uh, but th- those are two players I think would be good fits on this team.
1: Yeah, um, those are the two guys that instantly popped into my head. Uh, mm. I just when you talk about Vucevic, I mean, he, he just torched the Lakers, um, is a big that really can, you know, space the floor and, and really, uh, play make, uh, that's a guy that is really, really, you know, valuable in today's NBA for, you know, if you're a big, like a true legit big, uh, you have to add something other than just your size. We saw Roy Hibbert get phased out of the game for just that reason. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, a guy like a uh, deadman too. It's it's either adapt or you know you lose your spot in this league, and he's done that. He went from you know, virtually, you know, no, virtually th- no no shooting ability to, to mm-hmm. a willing three point shooter. We saw the same thing happen with Brook Lopez, and so I think that, you know, when I it, well I, you just took the two that I was thinking of. <laughs> um, I mean, besides the obvious Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, uh, guys like that. <laughs> because
0: they i was i was just gonna ask you that um the, and, and this isn't a question from anybody this is a question from me um there have been a lot of superstars that have reportedly been on the trade block uh from john wall to Bradley Beal, um it, at at this point of the season or at least um let, let's say this season is there anybody uh beyond the obvious like Anthony Davis, uh, you know, first team All NBA guys that you'd be willing to trade one or two more pieces of the young core for at this stage of the season.
1: Now, do they have to be expiring?
0: No, no, or... no, no, no they they can be they can be um, uh, under contract. All
1: right. Well, you know, it this is going to count because he's an expiring, but Kemba Walker really needs to get out of Charlotte. Oh yeah, um,
0: he's he's been oh he's been unconscious but, from. Um, Anywhere Arguably the a top three player yeah. in
1: the NBA uh, at the start of this season, he's been the reason that the the Hornets are where they're at right now. Um, he's been absolutely insanely clutch, even for his standards. And you know, I think that you know once he's able to get out of Charlotte, I think he's you know destined for absolute stardom. Uh, you know, he's big in NBA circles, but you know in terms of you know legit household names. I think he's going to enter that uh, that category if he uh, gets to go and uh, f- spread his wings. And uh, he's a peacock. You got to let him fly. <laughs>
0: um, our next question comes from Zen the Poet. Now, I thought this was a fun one uh, just because <laughs> we're so far from seeing any um, production from the rookies that the Lakers drafted this season. Uh, but he asks, out of Sfi, Wagner, and Bonga. Who is the like? Who is most likely to become an all-star? Um, that's a really, really big question. So let me let me uh, let me you know temper the expectations down a little bit and ask you: of those three players, who do you think is most likely to crack the rotation this season?
1: Um, I think it's easiest for uh, the first two in Svi and Wagner, mm-hmm. just because I think that, and we we talked about this, you know, separate from this show that, you know, Bonga could be in for kind of a red shirt year and the mm-hmm. Lakers can afford to do that because of his youth and because of how raw he is. Um, I do think he probably has the most potential out of all three. But Svi already has an NBA skill. Wagner, you know, you know, in a very good case or best case scenario, is a very valuable chip and, and uh, in a rotation, you know, is a big mm-hmm. guy. Right provide floor spacing and he's a scrapper on defense but uh i'll, I'll answer that question i think bonga does have all-star potential uh when you look at all-star fan voting uh they love the the freakish type <laughs> players with the length and yeah. the, you know playmaking ability if he can shoot uh even a little bit like he's the way he's shooting it in the g league right now which is crazy uh, by the way which is crazy yeah and totally unexpected out of left field um yeah i i see i could see the case for that but you know a lot of things are gonna have to break right in that situation um if i'm gonna alter the conver- uh the the question a little bit and say who's likeliest to participate in an all star weekend uh separate from the the rookie and uh sophomore game or the it, rising stars game yeah uh i think it's fee and the in the three
0: point count yeah i i completely agree um which uh, the, the kind of off topic, but he looked he he had a few garbage time minutes. Um, you know, the other night in Orlando, and he looked as comfortable as he's looked all season. Yeah. Um, I think once that shot that shot starts falling, uh, he starts to see regular minutes in the rotation, especially if they decide uh to move a, a wing or two at the trade deadline. I I agree. I think I think he's probably the most likely. Uh to break into the rotation this season just because of the value the value he brings on both end of the floor on both ends of the floor. Um so yeah, Shvi it has my vote for most likely to be an impact player. But Bonka, uh with the way he's played in the G League, an all-star, I I think it's a little early, but I think he definitely has the tools to put it together. Our own Alex Regla wrote a really good um, profile piece on him. Uh, when he went to the South Bay Lakers game the other day, unfortunately Bonga left with a left ankle injury, and it's the same ankle he he aggravated the other day. But uh, we're hoping he's all right. And uh, if you have time, uh, you should make time to read Alex's piece, which is uh, very good, and you can find it on SilverScreenAndRoll dot com right now. Um, and,
1: and make time to go to uh South Bay Lakers game to see Isaac Bonga. Before he blooms into the all-star future (laughs) MVP candidate.
0: Um, Our next question is from a giraffe. I didn't know giraffes were allowed to have um, Twitter accounts, but here we are. Uh, His name is Harrison Fagan, and he said, What is the best thing about working for Harrison Fagan? Um, Grant, I'll let you start with that because <laughs> um, I uh, I will reserve my comments for for this podcast.
1: Well, it's not the pay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, um,
1: and uh, it's it's a unique opportunity. Uh, I thought I would go have to go under some like zoology training. Yeah. Um, he's definitely really,
0: tame for a giraffe. I expected giraffes to be. Um, you know, cause they are wild animals after all, and, uh, yeah, they're well, notorious for their long tongues, but I haven't run into that problem in the, in the few times I've, I've seen him.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's been stressful times for him with this whole Romaine lettuce thing, mm-hmm. like had to switch to iceberg. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, his appetite, he can get a little cranky. But uh, no, it's he's a great guy or a great draft to work under literally under because he's so tall. <laughs> uh, but no, we we always appreciate the kind of boss I can speak for the both of us when I say we always appreciate the kind of boss that Harrison is uh, the, the kind of uh, the, the example that he sets with the, the way he works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think you know, I've ever had a bad time or even a bad discussion with Harrison in regards to work. Um so yeah it's it's a really great relationship you know from you know employee boss standpoint yeah. or you know, draft uh zookeeper standpoint so and the fact you know, the it, fact that it, we're firing on all cylinders yeah
0: the fact that we're even uh allowed or able to to roast him like this on our podcast uh, that he invested in us for is uh probably a good sign of our of our working relationship so Look, shout man, out to Harrison I'm
1: I'm taking my $8, and I'm, I'm stretching this as far as I can take it.
0: Uh, shout-out to Harrison, and shout-out to his girlfriend, Mia, uh, who also asked what it's like working for a giraffe. I think we touched all the bases on that, though. Um, this next question is similar, uh, and it comes from Austin Green for you, Grant. Um, he asked, who's your favorite ex-Lakers outsider uh outsiders rider that was falsely accused of being a lakers fan um do you want to provide a little a little backstory on this because i'm not familiar uh no
1: i i don't think such person exists uh if i'm being honest um there was a person uh named austin green who might have contributed to the site but he definitely was a clippers fan he definitely owns a Clippers hat, takes pictures with it on the beach. Oh, no. um, but definitely a big trader. Uh, T-R-A-D-E-R, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I have no no confidence in saying that. I'm 100% sure that person exists. So I can't even answer that question, honestly.
0: Speaking of uh, uh, Clippers fans that write for for Lakers sites, uh, our, our, our friend Sabrina Merchant... Um, accepted a role with Clippers Nation, and she's doing great work there. But um, I have my suspicions now whether w- which side she's on. Um, right. So, uh, uh,
1: thankfully, there was a lane violation in uh, in Wednesday's game with the Lakers and Cavs, and I immediately thought of Sabrina because randomly I remember her saying that she loves lane when lane violations are called. <laughs> so, shout out to the ref that called the lane violation, which helped the Lakers, I think.
0: And shout out to Sabrina Merchant. She does wonderful weekly columns uh, for Silver Screen and Roll, again, that you can check out on our site. Um, We're down to the last few questions, uh, and these ones are pretty similar. So I will try to lump them uh, together as best as I can. Um, The first one comes from Matthew Cody 83. Uh, He asks, should Hart be getting more minutes the lineups with him have been successful and they need more shooting, um, which we'll get back to right now. Uh, Kurt Brown or at Cortez CB asks Should we stick with Kuzma or go to KCP? So, what I'm getting from that is that fans are kind of growing tired of the effort Kyle Kuzma's putting on defense and they'd rather pair uh, Lonzo Ball. With a defensive guard in the first unit, whether it be Josh Hart or Contavious Caldwell-Pope, what do you think about the prospect of moving Kyle Kuzma to the bench in favor of a Josh Hart or a KCP?
1: Well, uh, before I answer, I think Ghost Dad or at Land of Swords answered it for us, and he said, out of Kuzma or KCP, uh, he said Hart, yeah, and I that was his whole I reply agree. is Hart. Yes. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Ghost Dad. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely think Kyle Kuzma is a better fit on the bench. Uh, when you talk about Kyle Kuzma in the best case scenario, he's probably a little bit more fluid than anybody is uh, in terms of fit with LeBron. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you said it yourself, the, the effort is, isn't there. And at least Josh Hart, you know, for all his woes defensively this year, he really tries, yeah. um, you know, and he's successful in in good parts of his defense, and so that we can at least you know look to on defense and say, okay, there's the the contribution with Kyle Kuzma. That's not there. Uh, there's no no one point where I'm like, all right, there's really good defensive possession by Kyle Kuzma mm-hmm. on, on multiple instances in the game, uh, and so you know when you pair that with heart shooting and his overall ball uh movement off the ball uh in terms of offense then i I think that's the answer right there kcp's been playing so much better than the start of the season it's probably opposite of the lance stevenson situation yeah where lance was you know hot to start the year and then uh is lance right now and then kcp uh played like he played last december when he was in jail to start the year and now he's playing like he did the rest of the year. You no know, consistent player, a good shooter and tries really hard on defense. Um and and yeah, I think you no know, either one of those two, KCP or Hart, uh, is a better option right now at least, but I have had to pick between those two guys, it's definitely uh Jason Barkley. <laughs> uh
0: I the, see the thing with me is I I agree of of the guys of those three options, I think Kyle Kuzma is best suited to come off the bench. And when I say three options, I really mean two options because I agree. I think um, if you're going to have that debate, it's going to be between Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. I, I think um, KCP has has played really well as of late, especially shooting from outside. Uh, and and credit to him for bouncing back the way he has. Uh, but he, he hasn't done enough for me to justify, uh, you know, being inserted back into the starting lineup. The only thing is, in a, in a perfect world, I think Javale would sub out for Kuzma, uh, and Braun would slide over to center. Kuz would play the four, and then you have uh, Ingram, Hart, and Lonzo playing their respective positions. So you have the death lineup. Uh, try to extend the lead uh, until you pull put the full second unit in. My only thing is, and I think we kind of we've we've already seen this, and we heard rumblings of this. Uh, from Cavaliers fans or at least I did in my mentions that LeBron James really likes playing small forward that's where he feels most comfortable and I think him playing power forwards more realistic than him playing center I think him playing small ball center and, and at least the regular season was always kind of a pipe dream uh, I think we might see some of it in the postseason but um, in, in the regular season I, I just don't see it and I think that's where they that's where they'd need him most in in a scenario like that with Kuzma coming off the bench because like you said he's been such a good fit next to lebron despite his uh, his defensive woes and really he's one of the few players in my opinion that looks like they know what to do when lebron james has the ball in the half court because a lot of the a lot of the times and it, and it might be because uh you know, they're not confident in their jump shot. But a lot of players on the Lakers, when LeBron James has the ball in the half court, just kind of wait and they try, wait and see what he does. And uh, Kuzma's benefited a lot from, you know, spacing the floor, making cuts he didn't make last season. Uh, so I think uh, from a LeBron standpoint, you can make the argument that he deserves to stay in the starting lineup. But I think Josh Hart has uh, earned the right to be in that conversation as well. And um, uh, you know, I I don't expect any lineup changes to be made, but if there were to be one, it would probably be to move Josh Hart back into the starting lineup.
1: I mean, we have this this whole conversation, and and I think we're both on the same page with the Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do we fit Julius Randall into the rotation?
0: Oh man, yeah, too soon, man. Jesus, what you don't? He have... would
1: be such a good fit. And, and he he does a fit – fit.
0: he fits the criteria of an impact expiring contract player because um, that, that second-year option is a player option that he's – with the way he's playing, he's playing out of his mind. Um, he'll probably decline. Uh, but it still hurts my heart to talk about him. Yeah. He, so yeah. – um,
1: I mean, you could play both him – and LeBron on the floor together and still have such a good small ball lineup.
0: Oh like, yeah, cuz one of Julius's uh, best yeah. games, yeah. <laughs> one of Julius's best games last season was against the Cavaliers and he did his best LeBron James impression, man. Like if he didn't grab a triple-double, he was very close to grabbing a triple-double last season when they played the Cavs and when you have two guys that just pounded in the paint like that can can make place for their other teammates. Man, I, I that would have been so fun to see, uh, but unfortunately we were robbed of it. So we could sign. Um, let me check my notes. Uh, Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson. and Rayon, Rondo, Rondo. signing.
1: The Rondo signing came so quick after his rights were renounced.
0: Yeah, it might it might as well have been a trade.
1: It was an instant dagger to my throat. Yeah. Oh man. my gosh. It oh <sighs> I missed religion. And it, look how good was his jersey look with these new uniforms. Oh
0: man. You're making uh my heart hurt. Um and then and I because this this debate has risen again um on Twitter because of how well the respective or like the, the former pieces of the Lakers Young Corps are playing. Um, uh, particularly D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, who have who have looked very good as of late. Um, I've made it no secret that D'Angelo Russell was my favorite player coming out of college, and I was really high on him. Um, so it hurt to see him go, and he looks, you know, like closer to the player Lakers fans he thought thought he was going to be uh, right now in Brooklyn. I don't know if he'll live up to that number two overall pick hype, but he's definitely a more productive player and the type. of... Of player uh the lakers could use on the roster my thing is i don't know if the lakers would have lebron james had it not been for that trade um but that's a whole nother discussion that uh i feel comfortable having with you i don't feel comfortable having with our colleague anthony Irwin because i mean that's it's <laughs> like arguing a a brick wall with the, with the whole d'angelo russell trade so um but yeah, it's it's definitely a conversation worth having. I think the fact that they gave up on D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle so early into their careers, but I'm happy to see them thriving, uh, and I hope they continue to thrive as long as it's not against the Lakers.
1: Oh man, I I've had that conversation in person with Anthony. <laughs> uh, it's it's a spectacle, but uh, I think I think that can put a bow on all the. All the young player talk. I, I I'm sorry for uh, for for bringing it out of the ground yeah, geez, and, and bringing it back up. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's the, the holiday my, season. And, Nothing and but for you guys for <laughs> you guys listening at home. I'm sorry for you no know, rehashing uh, this and uh, reopening these wounds.
0: <laughs> well, well, don't close the book just yet because we got one more question uh, from at black underscore white NYC. He asks, and I, I understand this is kind of a rhetorical question, but we can we can go into um, you know the topic a little bit. He asks, "Will Brandon Ingram ever take a non-contested shot?" Which, again, I don't know if we can answer that. The answer is, I'm guessing he will again. Um, but Brandon Ingram's shot selection has become a, a bit of an issue with his game, um, and today there were a few possessions where he kind of just settled for a mid-range jumper. And I understand that that's a part of his game that he's shown in the past uh, that he can make, but he's not at the level yet where he can take those contested mid-range jumpers. I mean, he's not, he's not Sean Livingston where every time he pulls up with his length, it goes in. I think he can get to that point. uh, But until he gets to that point, his, you know, take the smartest shots, either take it to the rim or take the open shots, pass it out to somebody that has the open shot. And he hasn't done that. And I think it's really frustrated Lakers fans, uh, even considering how high they are on him.
1: Yeah. um, I I just don't think that these mid range contested shots are the best use of his length on offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen him kind of contour his body and, and use that length at the rim uh to kind of avoid getting his shot altered and 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 blocked. And so, you know, we we've seen really good success with that. And the fact I, I think you said it perfectly when you said settled, uh he settles for these shots and I think that, you know, even with his like dribbling the ball and, and creating his own shot, he can create much better looks for himself or uh, you know, be able to, you know, navigate off ball Mm -hmm. and you know utilize cuts and utilize you know lobs for his game too because you know he can go up and get it uh probably better than anybody else on the team besides lebron with the the insane length that he has so yeah i i think uh He's in a feeling out process in his game right now and he's trying to figure out what works and you know what can be his go-to and right now that mid-range shot is the go-to it's just it's not working and you know I I think that once we we you know start to go later on the season hopefully he he goes away from that a little more because frankly it's it's just a little disappointing to see because you know it's it, I don't I don't even know if he believes it's the best use of his mm-hmm. length on offense right now.
0: Yeah, and the I think the th- the thing fans were really hoping for uh him playing next to LeBron James was uh him using his length for those cuts or uh you know to navigate through screens to get the open shot. Uh and I think that's probably how he's best suited in theory, uh but LeBron Ingram at his best uh throughout his career has been you know, somebody that can drive and kick or, you know, make place for others. And I think he's really good at that. But on this team, that's not what he should be doing. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't become a problem uh, for him going forward because I'm really high on Brandon Ingram. I think he can be a really good player. Uh, but when you have LeBron James on your team, you kind of have to learn how to play with LeBron, and I think Brandon Ingram's kind of fighting that right now. He still wants to be Brandon Ingram, and uh, you know, and, and I respect it. He's in his third year in the league. Uh, he wants to be his own player, but uh, I, I think LeBron James changes a lot of that, and if Ingram doesn't find that out sooner rather than later, I think he's probably uh, you know the first one on the trading block uh, in a, in a trade that involves one of the young guys for, uh, for a superstar player.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy to say that because I, I agree, but you know, when we were in the off season, I think he was at the top of the list for, you know, no, no trades untouchable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's the one guy, uh, because of his star potential. But, uh, yeah, if, if this keeps going South, uh, for Brandon Ingram, I think that, yeah, I, I'm, fully agreeing with you that he could be the one guy or, you know, the first guy to go in terms of, you know, trying to build a superstar team
0: around LeBron. So this is going up a day after Thanksgiving, but I thought, um, you know, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving, um, I think, Uh, beyond what Thanksgiving was intended to be celebrated for. It's a real nice time to reflect, uh, you know, on things you're grateful for, spend time with family. That's the part of Thanksgiving I like. Uh, And Grant, I would like to ask you what you're thankful for uh, uh, about the Lakers this season. And uh, Sabrina... Now, by the time that's posted her her column will already be posted on on something similar but i, I want to hear your thoughts grant on uh on things you're thankful for for the Lakers this season uh,
1: i'm I'm thankful for lavar ball uh <laughs> just uh birth uh being one half of birthing one of the <laughs> you know future n b a champions for the los angeles <laughs> Lakers um just uh such a generational point guard talent. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm thankful that the, the Lakers were located in Los Angeles, uh, where LeBron wanted to be. And, uh, they weren't the Clippers. So I'm thankful for that. Don't tell, um, don't tell
0: Jerry West that. Cause according to Jerry West, um, he, he wanted to be in LA. Uh, just to be in LA, there was no allure to being a Laker. Uh, if the Clippers were the only team in LA, he would have been there. Which I don't, I not know if I buy, but um, I love Jerry West. I I just didn't necessarily agree with him on that on that point. Yeah.
1: Um, I also want to be grateful for Magic Johnson, who I've been hard on in the past, and I've you know been appreciative of uh, just as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you know being that closer and and being that link to finally. Uh, and this drought where the Lakers have no superstars, and you know they got the superstar. Um, so I want to you know thank Magic Johnson, and you know the way he you know operates, uh, conducts his business, and um, yeah, he can he can be the closer that the Lakers need for these free agents. Uh, so you no, know, thank you to Jeannie Bus also for firing her brother.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a really on a on a on a day we're supposed to uh, to celebrate family. That's a really. It's a really uh, ironic note to, to end on. Me, personally, I am thankful for the Lakers scouting department because they have been rock solid for at least uh, the past four to five years. Uh, I, I think Isaac Bonga looks really good. Um, I sent out a tweet on, on draft night uh, that if you dig up, I'm um, sure you can find. But um, I think the Lakers came up empty-handed in a deep draft, and Part of me still questions whether or not they should have drafted some players as high as they did. Uh, I think there were definitely some players they could have taken uh, with that first round pick uh, that were younger or like, you know, uh, more experiments, experiments than uh, Moritz Wagner. But um, I, I think I was probably I, I was filled with a lot of emotions that night. There were guys I wanted the Lakers to take that they didn't take. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you, you look at guys like uh, Josh Hart, who has been arguably the Lakers' best shooter this season, Kyle Kuzma, who was among the top three steals of the draft. Um, you know, I, I, shout out to them. Shout out to that whole scouting department. They they do great work. And those cheap contracts uh, on a on a team that's looking. To land superstars every summer, they can. That's going to be extremely valuable, uh, and then it opens their championship window a lot. So that's what I'm thankful for. Uh, before we go, uh, we're we're making this a weekly thing where we we sh- shoot out our predictions. Grant had luck last week, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to you to start. We got the Jazz on the 23rd, Magic on the 25th, and the Nuggets in Denver on the 27th uh what what are you looking at what what's uh how do you think these games will go
1: when you said we got the jazz uh, i immediately thought of a tribe (laughs) called quest um (laughs) no but i think i'm gonna go two and one again uh the lakers i think will beat the jazz who are a collective mess right now um but i'd I'd you know, saying that puts the nail in the coffin for the Lakers. Ricky Rubio's gonna oh, drop. No, that was
0: just gonna say thirty six like, points. Do you realize who's on that double. team? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I, I, I regret this already. But no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stick with it. The Lakers will beat the Jazz, and um, they'll be, they're at home. So you know, they'll have that going for them. Mm. They'll get their revenge against the Magic. I think that you know they'll be more comfortable to be a little well rested. Uh, and they'll be able to kind of be you know fully engaged, clicked in, and uh I think they'll get the win. The nuggets in Denver I think it's gonna be the opposite it's gonna be a super tough game for the Lakers um the nuggets are a good team, and you know playing in Denver is no easy task and and they you know seemingly have you know just this. This uh, goal of you know going out and just trying to beat the Lakers by as many points as they can. Now, granted, that's backfired for them a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Lakers have won the last two regular season matchups against them, or two of the last three. But uh, the Jazz are a really good team, and I think that it's going to be a tough game, and it's going to be one of those games where you know we're going to see the Lakers, you know, struggle, and it's going to be frustrating because the Nuggets probably won't look all that better, but the score will just say so much different, and it'll probably be like. I'll say like a fourteen point loss.
0: Yeah, I I, I would usually agree with you because um, I think the the Nuggets are are, are are a really good team. They're well coached, um, but they beat them last time, uh, and I thought it was a it was a pretty comfortable victory. And this time around, uh, they have that size to counteract Denver's front court with uh, Mason Plumlee, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap. Uh, yeah. Just the bigs that are really productive. And um, so I, I think they're going to be b- better matched up against them. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think they'll get their revenge on the Magic because there's there was no reason for them to lose as hard as they did. I don't think it will be close if LeBron James has anything to say about it. Um, and the Jazz, I am less confident about that game because uh, they're they're, in theory, a really good team. I mean, they were really good. They were really good team last year. I had them third on my Western conference rankings, uh, this season. So I kind of feel like I have to stand by that take. Um, but I, it's, it's only a matter of time before they figure it out in my opinion. And, with the games Ricky Rubio has had against the Lakers in the past. I just, I, I feel gross, uh, even suggesting that, that it's going to, it's going to be a surefire win for the Lakers. So that's the one I have them losing. But I mean, what do I know? You called it last week. Uh, so I think if if you're going to put money on games, you're going to listen to grant and you can blame him if you lose.
1: Wow. See, I was so much more confident until you brought the money in.
0: (laughs) Uh, well, that was fun, guys. Uh, if you like our podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes. And uh, Grant, I was actually looking earlier; somebody left the review that we asked for uh, about us being handsome and intelligent and uh, all those nice things. So, thank you, uh, one kind reviewer. And uh, if you like our podcast, tell your friends about it. Uh, leave a review. Subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. Um, and